morning, church. My name's Jean. I have the privilege of bringing you our second Bible reading for today. So join me in reading Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Um, That's page 1013 if you're using the Pew Bible or follow with me along with the projection. Matthew 6, chapter 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Jean. Well, friends, we come to the end of our evangelistic series, In Search for Truth. And we hope today you'll be encouraged as we try to find certainty in an uncertain world. But before we proceed, how about we start with a word of prayer, so please bow your heads with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do ask in your kindness that you would prepare our hearts and minds as we hear your word to us this morning. And we pray, God, that your word would not only reveal our sin but help us to see with even greater clarity our need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that you do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one thing that's true for us all here today is that we're trying to find certainty. And certainty isn't just something we want for today. We want it for tomorrow. We want it for next week. We want it for next month. We want it for the next 20 years. And why do we want certainty? Now, you don't even have to be a Christian to answer this. For even self-help gurus like Tony Robbins says, our need for certainty comes from our need to feel secure about the future. But the reality is, life's unpredictable. And we just don't know what's coming around the corner. And perhaps some of you can relate here. But for me, growing up with migrant parents, I found that one of the things we were the most uncertain about was our finances, financial security. And so I grew up believing 
that the most important thing for my own family one day would be financial security. And so what did I end up doing? I ended up studying really hard in high school to ensure I'd get into a good university. And then at uni, I ended up with two bachelor's degrees and a master's degrees just to ensure I'd have the right qualifications to become an architect and a builder. And then a few years after graduating, I ended up starting up my own company, working long hours, putting systems in place, hiring staff. But then when I finally thought I would have financial security, COVID came along. And perhaps as some of you know, it absolutely wreaked havoc on the building industry. It tore down many building companies, including my own. And it's only by God's grace and God's kindness that I'm okay. Now, whilst it's good to be wise with our finances and seek a level of security, the reality is we can't put our hope in finding it in our finances because we don't know when we might end up redundant or fired. We don't know when the next interest rate is going to come and, or when they're going to keep going up and causing us more financial pain. And it's only a matter of time before the next financial crisis reduces our super balances. Now, perhaps not all of us here are worried about our finances, but that doesn't mean we're not seeking security in anywhere else. Maybe we're seeking it in a relationship, in a marriage. And now marriage is a good thing, but even those of us in the happiest of marriages knows that it won't last forever. Because one day we'll lose our best friend. One day we'll lose our life partner. And sadly, some in this room already have. And not all relationships and marriages are happy either. Some of us have had such damaged marriages, we've even painfully ended up in divorce. And some of us may never experience a relationship, may never experience marriage. Now, perhaps we're not seeking certainty in relationships either, but what about health? Now, it does feel good to be healthy, but as healthy people, we still get sick. We get colds, we get flus, and there's no guarantee that whilst we're healthy right now, disability or chronic illness won't be there in the future. Perhaps some of us who are suffering from poor mental health, from heart problems, from cancer, from mobility issues, from autoimmune diseases, would have never pictured having these things when we were healthier. And perhaps some of us are seeking certainty in having children and seeing them flourish. 
Now, children are a blessing, but it might not feel like a blessing when we're experiencing a distant relationship with them. It might not feel like a blessing when we're helplessly seeing them facing trials. And some of us have sadly experienced the pain of losing our own children, losing them through miscarriages or even burying them. And some of us here may never have children. And even if we're one of the few who believes we found security, we found certainty, because everything is going so well right now in our lives, in the prime of our lives, the reality is most of us will live to an old age and as we age, we'll eventually experience, experience the grief of losing our friends, our loved ones. As we age, we'll eventually experience the grief of seeing our bodies and our minds deteriorate. And eventually, death will come knocking on our doors. You see, in trying to find security and certainty in wealth, in health, in relationships, in children, or in anything else, what we're really looking for is certainty. It's looking for hope of being loved, of being cared for, of being happy, of being important, of peace, of comfort, of having enough of knowing that we'll be okay today and also in the future forever. And so can we even have such a certainty? And the answer is a resounding yes. But it's only found in the God who we need and not in the things of this world. And we'll be hearing more about this as we turn to the Bible in the book of Matthew. And we'll firstly be looking at the why. And there are three reasons why certainty is only found in God. Because he's our provider, he's our sustainer, and he's our heavenly father. And then we're going to look at the how. How we can access the certainty in our God. And so back to the why, why we can have certainty. And as we know, the first reason is because he's our provider. And how do we know this? Well, we see it in two illustrations that Jesus gives. And so if you have your Bibles out, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 26. And Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap uh, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? And now let's go a few verses down to verse 28, to the first half of verse 30. And Jesus continues to say, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You see, Jesus is telling the crowd, he's telling us not to worry, not to be uncertain, not to focus on what we don't have in our pantries, not to be trying to find certainty in all the wrong places. Because security and certainty isn't found in our provisions. It's found in our provider. You see, God created all things. He created the sparrows and the fowls of the air. He created the flowers of the field. He created the fish of the sea and the animals of the earth. And he created even the tiniest of atoms to the biggest of galaxies. He created all things. And he even created us, us humans. He gave us a body. He gave us life. And unlike the rest of creation... The Bible says he created us in his very own image. So do you know what that means? It means we're important to him. We're valuable to him. We have worth to him. But he didn't just create us and the rest of creation only to leave so that we had to fend for ourselves. No, he continues to provide. He's always been a provider. Just as he feeds the sparrows and the other birds with worms, as he clothes the tulips and the orchids to look beautiful. And not just them. He grows the trees with sunlight and nutrients. He makes Everything, absolutely everything, so much more beautiful than anything we can make. I mean, would you rather be scrolling on Instagram with pictures of the Swiss Alps, or would you rather be in Lausanne, Switzerland, looking at them? You see, God, in His kindness, in His compassion, in His wisdom, in his generosity, feeds, not only feeds the birds and the trees, not only makes beautiful the flowers and the mountains, who, by the way, don't even ask for these things, then surely not will he provide for us who are more important than any of these things, who are more loved by him. 
And so in knowing what a good, what a gracious provider he is, isn't that security? Isn't that certainty? But he's not only our provider. He's also our sustainer. The one who keeps us alive. And how do we know this? Turn with me to verse 27 in your Bibles, where Jesus says, Can any of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life. You see, what Jesus is saying is, has anyone ever sat down and worried an extra hour into their lives, let alone an extra 10 minutes or even a minute? Can anyone actually do that? Of course not. Who of us can even determine how long We'll live for. Well, let me tell you something that happened in my late 20s when I was in the peak of my health, in the prime of my life. Thought I had my whole life ahead of me. And then I got a simple bacterial infection, which I'm sure perhaps all of us have received. All of us have got one time or another. Yet, unlike other times, it didn't clear away with a dose of antibiotics, or two, or three. In fact, this infection got so bad that a month later, I ended up in hospital with septicemia, a condition where bacteria enters your bloodstream and if left untreated, could kill you. Now, obviously, I didn't die. But it's not because I had any control over whether I'd live or die. It was because God chose to sustain me. But not just that, he's sustaining all of us right now. Right now, in this very room. For right now, our hearts are beating. Oxygen is being absorbed by our lungs. Blood courses through our veins and our arteries. And they're happening, not by us thinking about it, not by us willing it. They're happening not by us being able to control it. They're happening because our God, according to his good and sovereign will, chooses to sustain us. Because as the one who created our bodies, as the one who gave us life, he's in full control over them. And so knowing that our lives are in his loving hands, isn't that certainty? Isn't that security? And what's the third reason why certainty is only found in God? Well, it's the most important reason. You see, it's because 
He's our Heavenly Father. And how do we know this? Well, let's look at the second half of verse 30 to the end of verse 32. And Jesus says, You of little faith, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For even the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now Jesus in this passage could have used the words, Your creator knows that you need them. Or your sustainer knows that you need them. Your provider knows that you need them. Your God knows that you need them. But he doesn't use those words. Instead, he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You see, the picture he's trying to paint is not of a God who dutifully provides, who sustains us, but of a God who is our Father, a Father who is tender and loving a Father who cares for us, who protects us, is kind to us, who nurtures us, who knows what we need. And unlike any earthly father, he does this perfectly. And so knowing what a wonderful Father he is to us, isn't that security? Isn't that certainty? And so now we've just covered the why. Why we can only have certainty in God. Because he's our provider, he's our sustainer, he's our heavenly father. Now we're going to look at the how. How we can access this certainty in God. Because you see, just knowing this about him, knowing that we have a heavenly father providing for us and sustaining us isn't enough. What we need is to seek a relationship with him, which Jesus is inviting us to this morning. And he shows us the way in verse 33 when he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so the way to seek a relationship with our Heavenly Father is by seeking first the kingdom and the righteousness, His kingdom and His righteousness. And we need to seek it as a priority. That's why He's telling us to seek it first. And so how do we seek His kingdom? How do we seek His righteousness? Well, there's only one way And that's by faith in Jesus alone. And so you might ask, how does Jesus come into the picture? You see, Jesus wasn't just a man telling us these wonderful truths about God. Jesus is also God. 
And as Christians, we believe there is one God in essence, in three fully distinct, co-eternal, co-equal persons known as the Trinity. As the Trinity consists of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And although Jesus came down to this earth as a man, he was also fully divine as God the Son. And as part of the Trinity, he created all things, both in heaven and on earth, which means he owns all things. He provides for all things. He sustains all things. He controls all things. And you know what that makes him? It makes him king. It makes him ruler. He is the king of this kingdom because he is God. Now, his kingdom is, not, is at the moment a spiritual kingdom, although it will be a physical kingdom, which means we can't just enter this kingdom any way we like by scaling walls, by breaking down doors, by entering on our own. We can't enter on our terms. We have to enter on God's terms. And we enter by Jesus' righteousness. You see, to have righteousness is to have a right standing with our Heavenly Father. It means to be morally right in the eyes of God. But the reality is, none of us are this way. Our thoughts and our actions, if they were on display on this projector right now, would it not show how rebelliously we focus on what we want in this world? Would it not show how we rebelliously ignore the God who we need? Would it not show how we rebelliously do anything to avoid the relationship with our Father? And if we remain this way until we died, we'll end up being forever outside God's kingdom, forever separated from our Father, forever paying the price for our rebellion, for our sin against Him, a good, a just, a caring, a nurturing, a perfect, a loving Father. And that is why He cannot let it go unpunished. which is why we cannot enter the kingdom by our own sinful righteousness. We must enter by Jesus' perfect righteousness. And how do we do this? You see, by the virtue of his very nature in being God, Jesus is righteous. He is the righteousness of God. And through what is known as the great exchange in Christianity, where Jesus paid the penalty for our rebellion, for our sins, and exchange gave us his righteousness, and then when we have faith in Jesus alone, we can enter into the kingdom of God. And once we've entered into this kingdom by Jesus' righteousness, we no longer just need to have certainty in knowing about our God. We have the certainty of being accepted by him as well. We have a certainty of a relationship with him through Jesus. And through this relationship, 
we will receive everything we need according to his perfect will. Treasure in heaven, even if we're dirt poor. We receive communion with him, even if we're alone on earth. We receive being confident and loved by him, even if we're old and dementia sets in. We receive being more alive in Jesus, even if we breathe our last breath on this earth. We receive the certainty of heaven, of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. And so I want to end with a story from the mid-1800s of a man who had such a certainty. His name was Nok Seng, and he was from the tribe called the Garo people from the state of Assam in eastern India. And he and his family had recently converted to Christianity. And when the chief of his village found out that Nok Seng became a Christian, that his whole family became a Christian, he became angry. And so he called Nok Seng and his family out in front of the entire village and demanded that they renounce their faith in Jesus. And not just to renounce it, but if they didn't renounce it, they would be killed. Now, can you imagine how Nok Seng and his family must have been feeling at this point? For they've just entered into a relationship with Jesus, this beautiful Jesus who loves us, who cares for us, this Father who knows us, where they found peace and joy, security and certainty for the future knowing that there's no certainty in this world. So can you just imagine how they're feeling when they're being asked to throw it all away? Imagine if you were there, if you were being asked these things, what would you do? What would you have said? Well, this is what Nok Seng said. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Now, the chief was even more angry, and he kept good his promise by ordering Noxeng's sons to be killed by arrows. And once they died, he told Noxeng once again to renounce his faith, or his wife would be next. And can you imagine what Noxeng would have been feeling at hearing this? His dear son's dead. He and his wife are grieving parents. His children gone. And any certainty in marriage destroyed. And so what would you have said? What would you have done? But Nok Seng replied, Though none go with me, I will still follow Jesus. No turning back. Enraged, the chief ordered the archers to kill Noxeng's wife. And then the chief said, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. 
and Nok Seng's last words were, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Now the story didn't just end there. Because after he died, the chief and the entire village all became Christian, convicted by Noxeng's faith in Jesus in the face of death. And a famous hymn was written from his words. But why was Noxeng ready to lose it all for Jesus? Because he found security and certainty in a future of the God before him. He knew that the things of this uncertain world were behind him and he was never going to turn back. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you this morning for teaching us the truth that we can only find our certainty in you, certainty through a relationship with you, certainty that we'll be with you both today and forever. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.